0: This passage that we're looking at today, which is the entire third chapter of Peter, actually is the culmination and the summary of what he's been doing, and it actually aligns very well with the way that I arrange my messages. There's kind of an introduction, then there's the body, and then there's a period a place for practical application the call to action the challenge the next steps that show how to practically apply what peter has been teaching so i'm going to split up the passage rather than reading the whole thing in these three different sections the first section is actually a pretty small one it's the introduction and that'll bring us up to speed in chapter three the first two verses say this i'm reading from the new living translation This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. So here he's reminding them, I've already been writing to you. This is my second letter. And in each of them, I have been trying to stir up your remembrance to uh, stimulate you to wholesome thinking and refreshing your memory so what has this letter been all about let me just kind of work you through the entire thing really quickly the problem in second peter that the apostle peter is dealing with is that there are There's corruption from false teachers within. Peter at heart is not just an apostle, not just one of the original disciples, but he is a shepherd. And a shepherd is entrusted with caring for, feeding and protecting his flock and in this letter he is protecting the flock he wants to warn them about corruption from false teachers within the church and so he says this is my second letter to you and in both of them i've tried to stimulate you to wholesome thinking and refresh your memory literally there it says stir up your remembrance he says look you know the truth And now these people are coming in and trying to throw you off course. I want to remind you of the things that you already know and stir up your remembrance the core application that he makes throughout the letter of second peter is this to make progress what was the problem with the false teachers they were saying you you can live however you want because there's no accountability you don't have to grow in your faith you can just do whatever you want you decide what's right and wrong and he peter is reminding them that's not true at all you are accountable and the whole reason that Jesus saved you was so that you could keep going, build upon the new life that he has given you. And so in the summary of the letter, the last verse of the letter, it says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the key truth throughout this entire letter is that there actually is accountability. Despite what the false teachers are telling you, despite the example that they're giving you, they are going to be held accountable and every Everyone is going to be held accountable. And he gives a couple of reasons for that. Number one, there's accountability because that's the testimony of scripture. It's the eyewitness eyewitness testimony of the apostles because they saw Jesus in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Their testimony, their teaching is now in the scriptures that we have in the form of the New Testament. And it's also the testimony of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament. He says, I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. That's what he says in that introduction. And there we see that same Uh, the two witnesses. You have the holy prophets from the Hebrew Bible, and you have what was commanded by our Lord and Savior through your apostles, and that teaching we have in our New Testament. There is accountability. That's the testimony of the scriptures, but it is also perfectly in line with God's character. And in 2 Peter, Peter gives three examples of that. The angels who rebelled, Noah and the people of his day, and Lot and the people of his day. In each of these cases, there was accountability. And for the people who belonged to the Lord, there was rescue. And then he goes into a long section, and this is what we looked at last last week, reminding them there is accountability, and he just gives the whole list of the things that these false teachers are doing that just demand accountability, that if God is a good God, he will not let sin go unpunished. And these false teachers, evil actions demand it. They demand accountability accountability. And then in this final concluding passage, he reminds them, yes, there is accountability and it's no less certain for any delay. And in fact, it is coming for sure. And any delay that's there is so that it gives time for repentance and salvation so that more people can escape the judgment that is coming. So today's passage is all about waiting, waiting for God's deliverance, waiting for God's judgment, waiting for God to answer the cries of his people. And what Peter is reminding them is that God's delays are not his denials. And that is our bottom line for today. And in this passage, he's going to make this application. Since that's the case, get ready. God's delays are not his denials, but the time is, so therefore the time is coming and we need to get ready. And he'll explain a little bit more about what he means by that. And we will unpack that in the application section of today's message. So now having introduced this Passage. he's going to get to the body, the core of his message. This is found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses three to 10. So let me read that to you. Verse three, most importantly, I wanna remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of, from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, The present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So, In this section, he's developing this argument that God's delays are not his denials. And the first thing that he's going to affirm is that the scoffers, the ones who are saying that God's delays are his denials, are in the wrong starts off in verse three, first off. And that's the message translation of that. It's not talking about importance, it's talking about order. And I think that translation brings that out a little bit better. He starts with this. First off, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. He's reminding them. In other words, he's telling them something that they already know. The fact that people are there, denying that there's any accountability, denying that Jesus is going to return in his glory. This isn't something that's a surprise to them. It should not catch them off guard. It's something that they know and that they were re- they were warned of. I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. And what are they doing? Mocking the truth and following their own desires. And this is a twofold pattern from the false teachers that we see over and over again in the letter of Second Peter. Number one, false teaching. They're mocking the truth. And secondly, immoral lifestyles following their own desires. And so he just once again reminds them of the kind of people that they are dealing with. So they're wrong. Well, what are they saying that's wrong? He goes on, they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? See, when Jesus came the first time, that was his first advent, we're filming this in the advent season leading up to Christmas, but there was always the promise of the second advent, that after Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, that there would be a time where he would come back and complete the work of making all things right, judging finally and definitively all evil and rescuing his people. So they're saying, look, there was this promise, but it hasn't happened yet. So what happened to this promise that Jesus is coming again? And their argument is this, from the beginning, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. In other words, there's this promise that God is going to come back and make everything right. There's this promise that there's accountability and that sin is going to be judged, that people are going to be rescued, but that hasn't happened yet. And in fact, it's been years now and Jesus hasn't come back. And now, in our perspective, it's been thousands of years since that promise was made, thousands of years since that expectation was first set out. So they're saying, look, everything's going on as it always has been. But, but the apostle Peter is gonna point out that this line of reasoning is wrong. God's delays are not his denials. And he points out that this, this rescue judgment has happened before and it's all set to happen again. He picks up on this idea that the false teachers mentioned that since creation, everything has remained the same. And he says, well, let's look at creation. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. Everything that you see Everything that has been created was called into being by God's word. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Here, Peter is referring back to creation. And at that time, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form, formless and void. And the spirit of God, hovered over the waters. There was this watery chaos. And then when the earth, when the land was created, it emerged from the waters. And that's what he's describing. The earth was brought out of the water and then surrounded it with water. There was water in the sky as well. So the earth is there, but there's water all around it. And there's water above it. And what happened? Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. You want to say, oh, since the beginning of creation, everything has remained the same. Well, you're forgetting something that at creation, the world emerged from this watery chaos and when the time came in the time of Noah for judgment to be executed the world was deluged by that water once again and then he makes the parallel to what is coming the current galaxies this is the message translation it literally says the heavens the sky the current galaxies and earth the land are fuel for the final fire in other words at creation the water was there and that water was used to execute judgment when the time come time came now the, the 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 sky and the earth are fuel. They're there and ready. They're fuel for the final fire. God promised, I'm never going to destroy the world by water again. But the second judgment at His coming is going to be a fiery judgment. God is poised, ready to speak. His word again. His word created this world. His his word destroyed the world in judgment in the time of Noah. And the same thing is poised and ready to go for the judgment that is coming as well. Accountability is certain. He's ready to give the signal for the judgment and destruction of the desecrating skeptics. And then he goes on to give some details in the second half of verse 10. The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang, everything disintegrating in a raging inferno. The earth and all its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. So he says, God's delays are not his denials. The people wanna say, oh, everything since creation has happened, uh, has gone on the same. Well, that's not actually true. And in fact, the world is poised, it's ready. It's like fuel for the fire waiting for God's judgment. His delays are not his denials. Accountability is certain. And then he goes on and addresses the sense of delay. And what he says is that God's timing is not our timing. Now, I like to picture the apostle Peter doing his daily devotions. He's got out his life journal, he's reading, and he comes across Psalm 90. In Psalm 90, the whole theme is about the eternity and transcendence of God compared to our short lives on earth. It's comparing the scale of God's timing and his reference for time and people and their reference for time. And in Psalm 90 and verse four, this is what it says, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by like a few hours in the night. And so this point, the apostle Peter is reading in Psalm 90 is that look, God is on a different time frame than we are. And then, as he's writing this letter to his congregations, reminding them that God's delays are not his denials, I can see this thought popping back into his mind. And most people think that this is actually the verse that he's referring to when he's writing this letter. Because what does Peter say? In 2 Peter 3 8, he says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Remember, God's delays are not his denials. We know this. Don't forget this. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. He's saying, we, we, we know this. We, we, re, we read this in the Psalms that God is just on a different time frame than we are. Now, notice that it says, like. Like. This is not some key to interpreting prophecy that you replace a thousand years with a day and a day with a thousand years. It's just simply making the point that God is on a different time frame than we are. And so he explains the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. Sometimes when we hear a wait, We feel like he is being slow when his delays are experienced. We feel like he's perhaps not coming through and definitely not coming through in the time frame that we would like. But here Peter is saying the judgment and rescue that is coming, he's not being slow about it as some people think, you know, from our time frame, from our perspective, it seems slow, but he's not. There's a purpose behind it, and Peter talks about it in verse 9. No, he is being patient. He has a purpose behind this time frame. He's being patient for your sake. It's not something that he's doing for himself, he's doing it for us. And what's the benefit to us? He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is a just judge. He cannot let sin go unpunished, but he doesn't rejoice in executing that punishment. He doesn't rejoice in the destruction and judgment and banishment of evil people. He wants to see them change their ways. He wants to see them turn around. He wants to give them as much time as possible to see them repent. And so his delays are not his denials. He actually has a purpose in whatever the delay is because he's being patient for our sake. He wants to give people time to repent. So that's his purpose. And that is why his time frame is not our time frame. His delays are not his denials. So, having said that, the scoffers are wrong. This has all happened before, God's all set to bring it to pass again and that God's timing is not our timing. He moves on to the application. What are we supposed to do with that? And that's found in 2 Peter, beginning at verse 10, and then through verse 16. This is what it says. Now, we're going to read verse 10 again, and then kind of keep going from there. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while we are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So. Having said that God's delays are not his denials, he's going to give them some specific application. What do you do with the fact that sometimes we have to wait? He's countered the arguments of the false teachers and now he's telling them what they should do with what they've heard. And it's boiled down to this, to get ready. And he's going to reference Jesus' teaching, which is repeated by the apostle Paul. It's repeated in this letter in Peter, and it's also repeated in Revelation written by the apostle John. It's universal, it's coming from Jesus' teaching. Jesus was teaching about the coming judgment. He says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And here he's picking up on a theme from Jesus' teaching when he tells about the culmination of all things, the judgment and rescue that is yet to come. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, Beginning at verse 42, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. And so he tells them to get ready. He literally says this, verse 44, you must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected so there's a time coming we don't know when he's going to return we don't know our time frame is not his time frame so the best thing that we can be do do is to be ready at all times to never be caught unawares and so peter gives some specific application and i'm going to sum it up like this he tells us to get ready to be ready and the first thing he says is to take out the trash this is what he says since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this what holy and godly lives you should live because judgment is coming because there is accountability because everything that you see everything that we Uh, invest so much time in and so much effort in, it's all going to be destroyed. The only thing that you're gonna be able to take with you is your personal soul and the lives and souls of those that join you in following Jesus. And so his application is, if this is gonna happen, it's time to take out the trash in your life, to get rid of all of the corrupting influences, all the ways that you've been flirting with sin, in light of the judgment, in light that everything is going to be destroyed like this, we should be living holy and godly lives. And in fact, that's the reason, that that's the purpose for our new life in Christ that we could not only be forgiven of those past sins, but we could be delivered from them, that he could write a new ending to our story, a story in which we live holy and godly lives. So it's time to take out the trash. What's the trash? The remnants of that old life, the ways that you've been dabbling in and flirting with sin. Those things need to be dealt with. It's time to take out the trash. And the other way that we get ready is we look forward to it. We look forward to it. A lot of times when I talk to people who know that Jesus is coming back and know that judgment is coming and uh, read through the book of Revelation, there's often a sense of dread and a sense of worry and concern. And that should not be the case for those that are following Jesus, that knowing that he's coming back to rescue us, to redeem us, to put and set everything right. This is described in 2 Peter 3.12, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. It should be something that we are looking forward to. It is a hopeful time for us who know Jesus. And I want to also notice this about hurrying it along because some people read that and there's this sense that there are things that we can do to affect the timing of the Lord's return. The Lord is sovereign. He's going to decide when he comes back the idea here is cheering it on that you know it's like the race is being run and we're or we're cheering for our team or we're cheering for our runner it's that idea that we're we're excited and we want to we want to cheer along what god is going to do we're looking forward to it and we're hurrying it Along, He says the same thing in verse 11, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. There was a time where I felt a little bit of dread and uh, wishing that, you know, oh, I hope that Jesus doesn't come back too soon because there are things that I want to do and things that I want to experience and things that I want to accomplish. But as I became older and as I think about All the brokenness and all the suffering and pain and sorrow and sin that happens day in and day out. I begin to look forward with greater intensity, greater anticipation to that day when God will set everything right if you love this world, if there are good things that you see in it, that those are, those are re- the residue, the rem- remnants of the good world that God has created. And I think of the new heavens and the new earth as everything that we love about the world that we have now with none of the things that make us sorrowful about the world as we experience it now. It will be a new heaven and a new earth a world filled with God's righteousness. What, what do we look forward to? We look forward to what, what is described at the end of Revelation. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Revelation one four. he, talking about God, will wipe away, ev- wipe every tear from their eyes. He, there's going to be a day where the last tear will be shed. And God, the Heavenly Father, is going to reach down and wipe away that last tear. Why? Because there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. All of the th- everything has been made new, and all those things that cause us to mourn, to cry, that cause pain, all of these things will pass away and God will make everything new. That's what we look forward to. That's what we have hope for. That's why we look forward to it and we're cheering it on. We're looking forward to that day coming. But in the meantime, this is the application that he gives he goes back to it again and so dear friends while you are waiting for these things to happen what are we supposed to be doing while we hope for it while we long for it while we wait for god to make everything right make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight Get ready, make every effort, pour yourself into this new life. Take out the trash, look forward to what he has promised. And lastly, get busy. There is work for us to do in the meantime and he reminds us in verse 15 and remember our lord's patience gives people time to be saved remember he said there's a purpose in god's delay and it's for our sake it gives people a chance to repent to take out the trash to get right to turn towards the lord and away from their sin and that is an opportunity for us it's an opportunity for us to repent if we need to repent it's an opportunity for us to say yes to Jesus if we're not following Jesus and for those of us who are following Jesus it gives us an opportunity to get busy with the mission that God has given us he described it in his first letter this is 1st Peter three fifteen. but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts remember uh, the idea of sanctify is to set apart, that you're going to uh, set apart the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord. He's the one who's the boss. He's going to call the shots. You're going to follow him. To be a believer, to be a Christian means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is set aside, set apart as the Lord of your life. And then he goes on and says, once you do that, once you take care of your ultimate allegiance, then you have work to do. Always be prepared, get ready, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have a mission to get the word out, to let people know why do we have hope, why do we, Uh, continue to put our trust and faith in our Lord, even when it seems like there are delays, even when the answer to our prayers seems to be wait instead of yes. He is giving us an opportunity to repent, to make things right, to get ourselves set, but also to get the message out. Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, and so that's one of the ways that we uh, one of the ways that we fulfill that mission, one of the ways that we uh, are getting busy with our job is that we give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. What do we mean by that? It means that you're committing your life to Jesus. It means that you're saying yes to him, you're saying yes to him as Savior that you want what he did on the cross to count for you, the punishment for your sins to be counted against Jesus on the cross. And therefore, the forgiveness, the new life, the rescue, the redemption, the uh, rescue that is available to us comes through Jesus. He is our savior. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you start to follow him, he is your savior, your redeemer, your rescuer, but it also means that you are going to sanctify Christ as Lord. You're going to let him be Lord of your life. That means he's gonna be the boss. He's gonna get to call the shots. You're going to follow him. And don't waste these delays. Don't waste this time in between. The reason that there's this extra time is to give you the opportunity to repent, to turn your life over to Jesus so that when that day comes when everything that we see is wiped away and everything is made new that you will be rescued instead of judged and it gives us the opportunity us who know Jesus us who have said we who have said yes to Jesus an opportunity to get this message out so every one of us should be busy getting the message out, telling people about Jesus, inviting people to church, and sharing links to our website and to our messages, doing whatever you can, just talking about Jesus, telling your story and how he has intervened in your life. All of these are just different ways that we can get busy on the mission that Jesus has given us to go into all the world and to make disciples of people of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, to follow everything that he has commanded. And that brings up that first step of obedience. If you have said yes to Jesus, whether it was just in this moment, or recently, or a long time ago, and haven't taken that first step of obedience of being baptized, now is the time to do that. That is the first step, it's a public declaration that you are following Jesus. If you haven't been baptized, please let us know. You can text BAPTISM to our church number, you can send an email, you can call the church number, whatever it takes. Let us know that you're ready to be baptized and we will work on that with you. So now, if you are saying yes, we'd love to be able to celebrate that with you, follow up with you, encourage you, give you information about next steps. Text yes to 603-225-2550 and we will help you along. We want to inspire and equip you as you follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Now we come to the conclusion of the letter, the last two verses, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And this is what it says. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. So in this passage, this last his last parting words, he wants to give them two words words. The first is to be on guard. He's referring back to that shepherd heart that he has for the people. He wants to protect them and he just warns them, be careful of, be, uh, stay away from, don't fall for these false teachers and their false teaching, that there isn't going to be accountability, that Jesus isn't coming back, that there's no judgment and no rescue coming. That's all false and be on the guard. I don't want you to be on guard. I don't want you to lose your place. I don't want you to fall prey to them, so be on guard. And in contrast to that, rather than falling for this false teaching, instead make progress, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what would it be like if instead of getting tripped up, instead of getting tripped up by sin and tripped up by false teaching and and and, and falling prey to the idea that, ah, there's not gonna be accountability, or if there is, it's a long way off. I don't have to worry about that. What if, instead, we became focused on mission, that we were getting ready, we were putting effort into it, taking out the trash, looking forward to what God is doing, getting busy on our mission, sharing the gospel with people, telling our story and having a story worth telling then we would find that this waiting time is a time that has purpose and meaning. And we would know and understand that God's delays are not his denial. You're never going to be disappointed when you put your faith in and trust in your heavenly father. If he says yes, it's for your good. If he says wait, it's because he has a purpose in mind for it. And if he says no, that's for your good. He has A reason for his actions towards us and we will be ready we'll be in a place where we have cleared our life of the stuff that doesn't belong where we're looking forward with hope and eager anticipation to what God is going to do and we have purpose and mission because we belong to the king and he has sent us out with purpose and mission that's what he wants for us that's what the apostle peter wants for his people the congregations that he was writing to and by extension for us and that reflects our father's heart towards us would you pray with me Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have your word, that we have the testimony of the apostles in written form in the scriptures so that we can refer to them, so it can be reminded. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to everyone who is listening, that we, you would give us the wisdom to know exactly how to apply what we've heard today. And that we will take action, give us the courage and initiative that we need. Work in and through us to accomplish your purposes in and through our lives. We thank you for this. We trust this. We look forward to what you are going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.